I am from Long Beach, California, and I am so grateful to be here in New York in this beautiful, beautiful space. And I want to share with you as we kick off um, this series on anxiety on what um, I believe has been my journey over the last 18 months. Um, and, you know, it's, it's affected us all very differently. Pre-pandemic, just to give you a little bit of context, January 2020, we were given our fourth building. So that's part of our, um, our church plant story is that we own four buildings that we've never paid a dollar for. Like churches have reached out and said, hey, you guys have figured this out and we just want to give this to you because these churches, for some reason or another, with time have closed their doors. So in January, 2020, we got our fourth building. You can imagine as a church planter who's, who's excited about multiplication and God's provision, praise Jesus. So we sent a team out there. We're trying to figure out four campuses and what that looks like. And then March, 2020 comes in and just rocks the boat, just shakes it all up. And um, you can imagine just um, what we had to face through. And so this sermon that I am going to be sharing with you today, um, it really is my journey over the last 18 months. Um, the Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And um, we, wouldn't be, um, we wouldn't be brothers and sisters if we couldn't share um, the valuable lessons that we have um, learned about ourselves in seeing the, the hope of Jesus intersect um, our journey and, and, and provide a word of testimony that hopefully encourages someone today. And so um, this idea of weathering the storm, I want to begin with this psalm. It's found in the chapter 77. Verses 13 through 14. And the psalmist starts um, with a question. Have you ever asked yourself a question that you already know the answer to? But you just feel like, I need, I need to ask the question, right? Like, why am I going through this? You really know why you're going through it. You just, you just have to ask the question. And so the psalmist does this. He starts with this question. What God is as great as our God? Then he answers the question. You are the God who performs miracles you display your power among the peoples. And so I'm going to ask this question. I want you to, to, to hear this question and just reflect on the answer. You have an answer to this question. And the question is, how many of us can use a miracle from God? How many of us can, can use a miracle that, 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 will, that will provide for us what we are praying God for, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, um, healing for our mind, healing for our soul. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Um, and the psalmist asks this question, what God is as great as our God? Probably finding himself in this space where I need to be reminded that God can, that God will. And that God is able. And um, when we look at the New Testament, there are over 35 recorded miracles of Jesus. And I just want to share what those are with you real briefly. Um, we see 17 physical healings in the New Testament. We see six deliverances of demoniacs in the New Testament. Three resurrection miracles. And nine miracles over nature. The Gospel John in the 21st chapter writes this in verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And I believe that if we were to take a moment this morning and just ask 
you know, what has God done in your life? What has Jesus done in your life? We can probably spend the next few hours just encouraging each other, reminding each other that our God is the God of miracles. And I think more than ever, we as a church can use that reminder. We can use that encouragement. I sometimes wish I had my, my, my mentors and my, my pastors and my coaches just follow me every day of my life because I, I don't know about you here in, in the East Coast, but in the West Coast, we tend to forget that God is still the God of miracles. We tend to forget that he is still able and he is still willing to go above and beyond what we could ever ask for or imagine according to his power. But this morning, I want to focus on a story that's pretty well known, and we see a powerful nature miracle. But in the narrative, I believe if we look close into this story, if we press into this narrative, we'll see that there were uh, more than just one storm, and, and there was more than just one miracle that Jesus actually performed in this story. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 34, 35 through 38. And, and I'm going to be sharing um, this, this nature miracle, this story from the perspective of two of the Gospels. You know the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All it is is four, four perspectives of one story. And for those of you that like the study of, of the New Testament, I'd encourage you this, this, this book that's just been so helpful for me. It's called The Harmony in the Gospels. Just kind of gives you a good picture of what Mark's interpretation is versus Matthew's interpretation. And so we're going to see some of that this morning. Mark 4, 35 to 38. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. What did Jesus just say? Let's go over to the other side. The first thing that Jesus tells his disciples, this is what we are going to do. We're going to get there. But then this happens. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Then a furious squall came up, and I'm reading out of the New International Version, and I like that particular translation, a furious squall. Other, other translations say a storm rose up, but something about a furious squall just sounds a little more intense to me. It came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now let's go to Matthew's um, um, perspective of the same story in chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now remember, Jesus started by telling his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And we see what is um, clear to us that there is a nature miracle that while the disciples rightfully so, now don't get me wrong, they had every right to be afraid. If you've ever been on a boat or a ship and it moves in an awkward way that you weren't expecting it to move, um, panic is real. Um, fear is real. 
um, a scare, being scared is, is real and it's valid. Uh, on my flight to the East Coast yesterday, we, we were going through some, some tumultuous air and, and it, it, panic set in, anxiety is real. Rightfully so, the disciples had every right to be afraid. But we see that this physical storm that was a threat to their physical well-being soon became a second type of storm, an emotional storm. An emotional storm that brought fear, brought anxiety, brought stress, brought an overwhelming sense of, of, of uncertainty, kind of like what we've been facing over the last 18 months. I remember um, when the pandemic hit back in March, I was in Dallas, Texas, doing an assessment with Stadia and, and the airport shut down and, and um, you know, the, the aid in me and, and my Enneagram aid just went like, we got this. What a great opportunity to see God shine and do something amazing in and through us. And um, the next three, four months, I went on full mode, like we got this, we got this storm, nothing's gonna, four months will go, go past and before you knew it, I was overwhelmed with stress, anxiety, fear, uncertainty, and I learned some significant things about myself over the last 18 months. But you'll notice in the narrative that from this physical storm, as it became an emotional storm, it led to what I believe to be the most dangerous storm a spiritual storm. It started with threat, threatening their physical well-being and eventually it became a, a threat to their emotional wellness, their mental health, their, 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 their spirit being. But then eventually they started to question God's care over their lives. You ever find yourself in a situation, maybe in the last 18 months where you ask this question, God, are you aware of what's going on in the world today? Are you aware of what's going on in our city today? Are you aware of what's going on in our church today? Are you aware of what's happening in our community? God, are you not seeing what's happening? And that's exactly where the disciples found themselves. It's a very dangerous place to be in where we now question the ability of God simply because we're overwhelmed with what it is we are facing. We see Jesus speak to the wind and the wave and he calms the storm. But I believe that what if the miracle was not so much what Jesus wanted to calm on the outside, but rather what Jesus wanted to calm on the inside of the disciples. There's this beautiful verse in the book of Hebrews chapter six and verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul and this hope is firm and secure we have this hope as an anchor for the soul and this hope is firm and secure in april 2020 i had my 46th birthday and my friends knew that I was so overwhelmed with stress and anxiety that they did something fun for me. I'm a city boy. I, I didn't grow up going out to nature often. I, I, my parents never took us camping. We didn't get on boats. So whenever someone shared a story about nature and camping and being on a boat or, or, or just doing some of the fun stuff that nature people do, I'm like, 
I don't know what that's like and I don't know that I'm missing out on anything. But for my birthday during the pandemic, my really close friends um, rented a boat and they took me out on a lake for three days. And let me tell you, it was splendid. But one of the things that we encountered was that it was a busy season at the lake. And so if you've been on a lake under, during a busy season, there's other boats and, and jet skis and sea dews and the waters can get a bit tumultuous to the point where um, if you've never been on a boat for a long period of time, you can get sick, you can get, um, um, you know, nauseous and all this stuff. But one of my dear friends remembered that we had an anchor in the boat. And you know what this anchor did? This anchor found the, 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 the place um, um, underwater that it would, it would anchor itself. It would find it and lock itself in and provide so much strength to the boat that it actually caused this boat to be still. And we need to be reminded that when we find ourselves in the storms of life, that Jesus is that anchor for our soul. That Jesus can calm the storms that we are facing. And how do we experience this hope that's firm and secure? How do we experience Jesus as this anchor for our soul? First thing we need to learn to do is, or, or be reminded of is that we're anchored when we cultivate God's presence. Something beautiful happens when we gather in a space and we worship God together and we remind ourselves the promises of God in our declaration that we want him to build our life, that he is an anchor for our soul, that he is our hope. We cultivate the presence of God through worship. The Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people, that when two or three are gathered in his name, he's promised to be there in our midst. We also cultivate God's presence through prayer. And we see that the disciples did this while they were on the boat. Who was the first person they called on to? Jesus, are you not aware that we are in danger? And we need to be reminded that prayer ought to be our first resort, not our last resort. And the word of God also anchors our soul. It is a light to our path. It is a lamp to where it is we are supposed to go. One of my favorite Psalms is found in nine, chapter 91, verses one through four. And it reads this way, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high, I love this, will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings, I will find refuge. His faithfulness will be my shield and rampart. Friends, brothers and sisters, peace isn't the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. Oftentimes we could, it's so easy to think if God just removes this uncertainty from my life or this, things that, this thing that's causing me to be stressed or this thing that's causing me to be anxious, my life will be great. Or if the Yankees can finally win the World Series, everything's gonna be again great. But see, see, my friends, peace isn't the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God and we are anchored when we cultivate the presence of God. See, the disciples were anchored when they were reminded that Jesus is, their, is the anchor to their soul. 
The second way that we, we, we can um, find ourselves being anchored is that we're anchored when we remember God's promises. You'll notice that the first thing the disciples did is that they forgot what Jesus told them at the very beginning. We're going somewhere. We're going to get to the other side. And when we look at the great commission of Jesus, when he said, go into all the world and make disciples, he gave us this assignment, but he also provided a promise with it. He said, I will be with you even until the end of age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But when we find ourselves weathering the storm, when we find ourselves amidst the emotional, the spiritual, the physical storms of life, we tend to forget the promises of God. Psalm 119 and 81 says this, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope anchor in your word. We have to be careful not to let our circumstances speak louder than God's word. I'm not the pastor back home that discourages my church community or the church community that my wife and our pastoral team has the honor and privilege to lead. I'm not, I'm not discouraging them from staying informed with current events and everything that's happening in the world. But what I've learned over the last 18 months is that there are so many voices competing with God's word. There are so many narratives that are rising up that if we pay close attention, those, those voices, those, those narratives are actually the things that the enemy is using to sow that emotional and spiritual storm in our lives where we forget the promises of God. I believe that current events inform us on how to pray. I believe it teaches us on how to love. It teaches us on how to prepare for the community that God is calling us to love and be good neighbors to. But we have to be careful that these voices are not an eclipse to the only voice that can bring about hope and salvation, which is the word of God. And three, we are anchored when we understand God's process. We're anchored when we understand God's process. I've always been an, an advocate for change. As a, as a church planter, I love to change things around. I, I love to have a new vision every year and new challenges every year. And I've always thrived in my 14, 15, almost 15 years of pastoral ministry and implementing change and living in that, in that space called, let's trust God for the impossible. Um, but can I say in the last 18 months, I was like, God, we don't want change anymore. Can you just keep it the same for a little bit? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to live in that gray area. God, can you just at least give us an indicator that this and this is definitely what's going to happen. And if you, like me, in the last 18 months have realized that it's changing as we're going. Whether we like it or not, it's changing as we're going. But we're anchored when we understand God's process. God's process reminds us, that's what Romans 8.28 says, all things work for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. See, see, we're anchored when we understand that there is a process. And in the last 18 months, as, as much as I've not wanted to welcome so many things that have come to change the, the, the dynamic of our church community, 
That that fourth miracle that I shared with you at the very beginning of today's sermon, that fourth building that was given to us, guess what happened in the last 18 months? We had to give it away. Because financially, we just couldn't afford to even maintain the overhead. So much of our church community left our church community. So many changes happened. But we're anchored when we understand God's process. That God is not surprised by what we are facing. Listen carefully, friends, brothers and sisters. I promise you this. God is not sitting on his throne, not in his head saying, I didn't see that coming. He's not saying, I don't know how I'm not going to help them. See, see, we're anchored when we understand God's process. And this process many times is where we learn some of the most valuable things about ourselves. But most importantly, we're reminded of the power and the virtue of who God is in our lives. Romans 5, 2 and 4 gives us this beautiful picture of this process that many of us have been in over the last 18 months. And I laugh when I read it because I'm reminded, I don't know that I've done a lot of rejoicing if I could just be very honest with you. But God in his infinite grace, in his never-ending mercy, in his supernatural love comes to remind me I am with you, but I'm also for you. And if I had to come to New York to hang out with my friend Dan and Macho and meet Pastor Amanda for the first time, just to remind someone that God is with you, but he's also for you. That he's with your family, but he's also for your family. That he's with your church mosaic, but he's also for your church mosaic. We're anchored when we understand God's process. That God is doing a fine work. He says, and we rejoice in the hope, the anchor of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. That's so hard to do. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character leads us to this place of hope. Trouble doesn't build character. It reveals it. I remember getting invited to a prayer meeting at the very beginning of this pandemic out in Southern California. There was over 100 pastors it was a powerful prayer meeting. I like all of them. I was, I was rebuking this pandemic. I was praying and believing God. And this pastor stood up to pray and his prayer just, 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 it impacted my soul. And his prayer was, Lord, protect your church because this pandemic is not gonna change many people. It's gonna reveal people. And my prayer shifted. Lord, preserve me. Show me what areas of my life I've not yielded, what areas of my life I've not surrendered so that you would teach me how to persevere so that as I persevere, you build my character 
and that this character that you are building in me, he who began the good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, will lead us to this place of hope. I, like many of you, during this pandemic, had to find new things to do just to keep my mind busy, to keep my mind well. And I've always loved to cook, but I, I'm going to say something. During this pandemic, I kind of stepped my game up a bit. So much so that if you ever make it to Long Beach, California, find, I'm, I'm going to grill for you. I've kind of become somewhat of a grill master. And I can serve different types of meats nowadays that I've kind of figured out how to cook. But I remember early on, when I started this thing and my youngest son, he, he, he doesn't like meat rare at all. He wants it cooked. And I remember I serve and first thing he'd do is he'd take that knife and just check it. I'm like, come on, son, at least taste it. He'd just check it. He's like, no, nah, dad, it's not ready. And I remember after doing this so often, he, one day he did that. And I realized God was telling me something about myself. That as I faced a lot of things over the last 18 months personally in my leadership as, as a pastor, as a husband, as a church planning coach, as a father, as a friend, as a Christian, I realized that as this storm exposed areas of my life, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. But I'm reminded that we're anchored when we understand God's process. And that God is not challenged by my unreadiness. But he loves me so much that he will lead me to this place of suffering so that I can learn perseverance. That this perseverance will lead me to a place where I am being shaped and growing into the image of my Savior eventually leads me to this place of hope. It becomes my anchor. Listen, listen, we're anchored when we cultivate the presence of God. We're anchored when we remember God's promises. We're anchored when we understand that there is a process. Can I pray with you this morning? Would you allow me to pray for your family, for your home, your community, for your well-being? that God in his infinite grace and mercy towards us would continue to be the anchor of our lives. And regardless of whatever storm we may be facing today, it may be physical. There may be a threat to your health. I want to believe that God can still heal. God is still a healer. Maybe it's an emotional storm. I believe God is still a healer. Maybe it's a spiritual storm. God is still a healer and a deliverer. Jesus, we humbly come before you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. But Jesus, we also thank you for your patience. God, many of us have faced different facets, different elements to what life has looked like over the last 18, 19 months. Some of us are on the other side of that storm. 
God, we know that there's an aftermath of what we feel emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So Jesus, would you remind us today that you are the anchor. But for some of us, we're still in the middle of that storm. Our families are going through it even as we speak today. Our marriages are facing it even, even as we speak today. Our, 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 our dynamics at home and our family, we're going through it. We're going through it. But Jesus, you remind us that you are the anchor. And God, so many people in the last 15, 18 months, 19 months, they've lost their faith in you. Like the disciples, they question, do you even care that we are drowning? So this morning, I lift up those, my brothers and sisters that are praying that way this morning. Say, God, do you even care? Jesus, I pray that you would embrace them, that your presence would love them, lead them, provide for them the hope that they need to weather this storm. Lord, I lift up families this morning. I pray healing. I pray peace. I pray joy. God, thank you for Mosaic. I thank you for what you're doing through this church community. I pray a fresh anointing over this church community for what you are getting ready to do next. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.